0: Hi, and welcome to our 4th Universalist service video. My name is Ember Kelly, and I am the Director of Religious Education at the 4th Universalist Society. I use she and her pronouns, and thank you so much for joining us today. What follows are selections from our service on November 14th, 2021. In this video, you'll hear the reading and the reflection, as well as a lively discussion where we go deeper into the service theme together. You're invited to check out our video and our audio podcast each week We post these on our website, our Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, as well as your favorite podcast streaming sites. If you like what we see, we hope you'll give us a positive review. The likes, the comments, the sharing and subscribing, these all help to spread Fourth Universalist media further. Finally, we do acknowledge that our community is located on the land of the Xelenape peoples. With this acknowledgement, we seek to continue the process of working to dismantle the ongoing legacies of oppression. We invite you to join us in this work as we work to embrace the 8th UU principle. Thank you again for watching. We begin with our reading.
1: reading is by Colson Whitehead, an American novelist and non-fiction writer. Whitehead is a two-time Pulitzer Prize winner and the recipient of the MacArthur Genius Grant. Today we hear from his book, The Colossus of New York. I never got to say goodbye to some of my old buildings. Some I lived in, others were part of a skyline I thought would always be there. They never got a chance to say goodbye to me. I think they would have liked to. I refuse to believe their indifference. You say you know these streets pretty well. The city knows you better than any living person because it has seen you when you were alone. It saw you stealing yourself for your job interview, slowly walking home after the the late date tripping over non-existent impediments on the sidewalk. It saw you wince when the single frigid drop fell from the air conditioner, 12 stories up, and zapped you. It saw the bewilderment on your face as you stepped out of the stolen matinee, incredulous that there was still daylight after such a long movie. It saw you half running up the street, after you got the keys to your first apartment. The city saw all that, remembers too. Consider what all your old apartments would say if they got together to swap stories. They could piece together the starts and finishes of your relationships, complain about your wardrobe and musical tastes, gossip about who you are after midnight. 7J says, So that's what happened to Lucy. I knew it would never work out. You picked up yoga. You put down yoga. You tried various cures. You tried on selves and got rid of them. And this makes all your old rooms wistful. Why must things change? 3R goes, Saxophone, you say. I knew him when he played guitar. Cherish your old apartments and pause for a moment when you pass them, pay tribute for they are the caretakers of your reinventions.
2: Recently, I've been reflecting a bit on a kind of philosophical argument that I had with one of my housemates back in college. I was talking with friends who I lived with about the kind of urban exploration that I've gotten to do through skateboarding. I got my first board when I was 13 and I still skate today. As a matter of fact, it's still so important to me that it's actually been a big part of how I've chosen new cities to move to as part of major changes in my life. And in that conversation about exploring cities, I said to my friends that I think that by creating a new way to encounter the physical existence of an urban landscape Skateboarding gave my friends and I a wilderness experience of the city because we were using those stairs and loading docks and sometimes even statues in ways that we weren't exactly supposed to. We had to navigate and interpret the city rather than it just pushing us around in the way that it can feel like it does. It really is like being out in the wild, I said to them. And one of my buddies, a guy from rural Minnesota, the flannel shirt you're picturing right now is correct, didn't like that at all. No, he told me, only the woods are wild. And I don't buy that. Undeniably, I, like many of you, am a city kid. My grandma started taking me on public transit when I was about four years old, and I didn't get my driver's license until I was around 20 and halfway through college. Don't get me wrong, I can start a good campfire, log cabin style, for those of you who know the craft, and I can reel in a fish or two. But I was born and raised right off Chicago's north side in Evanston, Illinois, the same city that Daniel Burnham, the man who designed Chicago, lived in many years ago. I often visited my extended family in St. Paul in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and eventually I went to college there in St. Paul. Afterwards, I moved to Washington, D.C. for two years where I lived well into the beginning of COVID. And from there, I came here to New York to begin my studies at Union Theological Seminary in the fall of 2020. Now, I mention all of this to you here in this church where we come to think about spirituality and morality and our relationships to the world around us because in contexts like these, cities have for a long time been at least controversial, if not outright disparaged. In our dispute, my friend had been speaking out of a long established tradition, one that reaches back all the way to scripture. The city as an idea and as a place doesn't come out of the Hebrew Bible looking very good. The first city that we hear about in that narrative is built by the world's first murderer, Cain, killer of Abel. Later in Genesis, Sodom and Gomorrah are described to us as home to great sinners against the Lord, which have to be destroyed in a hail of fire and brimstone. Various philosophers and other thinkers have viewed cities as inherently corrupting and radically separated from nature, thereby depriving their inhabitants of necessary connections to the wild. And there might be something to these criticisms of cities. Who among us hasn't felt the need to get back to nature sometimes? Who hasn't felt that the crush of so many people can make you just at least a little bit callous? Scientifically, even an absence of greenery can be connected with poor mental health outcomes. But, but, let's pause here for a moment. We're all, myself included, in the process of re-emerging into our lives, into our city lives, after a long and involuntary separation. And while it can be exhausting to be thrown back into the busy subway car, a chaotic classroom, a demanding workplace, we're also coming back to a great many opportunities. I've had the privilege of connecting with a mutual aid group here in new york city which does great work in washington square park one night every week it provides hot meals bottled water hygiene products and even clothing to all comers no questions asked and it does all of that work in a park that brims with all of the life and complexity of manhattan it's this city which sets the stage for a community with members on both sides of the serving table from every possible walk of life. There are those who rely on such efforts for their next meal. There are students who need to save every penny they can, but are dying for some home cooked mac and cheese. There are people just passing through the park that evening who know good barbecue chicken when they smell it. And when you're behind the table, you're on your feet for hours and sometimes you run into situations that you do not know how to handle. It's open late, but at the end of the evening, I always leave feeling restored in a way that I just can't put into words. There are philosophers who've said that the divine manifests for us in the faces of others, and that we realize its presence in our lives by answering the call implicit in another person's presence. And this work has shown me that they were right. Now, some of you might say, Ben, that's all well and good, but sometimes I just need to get out into the forest. There are spiritual needs that I can only meet that way. Moral challenges might be a part of religion, but I need to be in the wild sometimes. And that's totally fair. Sometimes I need a good forest wander myself. But of course, I want us to ask a question and it's this. How can the city be a wilderness for me? How can the city be a wilderness for me? Have you ever been walking through the streets and made a wrong turn and found yourself somewhere mere blocks off of your normal route that feels like a completely different place? Have you ever had a moment of crossing the street and looked up to see the steeple of a church or the old brick of a home caught in a new light. Have you ever pushed open a rusty door you weren't entirely sure you had permission to, just to see what was on the other side? Because I know I have in every single place I've lived. And what makes me love the life of cities so much is that when I try to cultivate time and opportunity for these chance things to occur, I have pretty good luck finding them. And that's a skill that I had to learn. I learned it my own way by spending my teenage years skateboarding in Chicago. I maintain it through meditation and long meandering journeys on foot and subway. And you surely have your own experiences to draw on even if you don't have a skateboarder's habit of looking for trouble. So I invite us all to reflect on these glimpses of wilderness within the grid system because there's a lot that we can learn about letting our home appear to us in a new way. My friend who grew up in the rural Midwest might stay skeptical. He might keep his plaid at arms di- crossed in disagreement with us. But if there's one thing us city kids have an instinct for, no matter where we're from, is that we know when we're onto something.
0: Hi everybody, it's so great to get to sit down today with our field education intern, Ben Haney. Ben, it's great
2: to have you here. Happy to be here, thanks for inviting me on, Ember.
0: So Ben, this is your, your first sermon, your, your big premiere. You, you've gotten the chance to like lead some prayers, you've gotten the chance to uh, do some readings, choose some readings, do a variety of different functions in the service. Uh, but this is, this is the big moment for you, how, do,
2: how did it feel? Good. It was
0: um,
2: nerve-wracking, definitely, but also really exciting and, uh, and fun.
0: Yes. Uh, I know that I can, I can speak at least on behalf of myself and say that it's been great to have you uh, around this year. I don't know if, I've enjoyed getting to, to journey together as we all as a church do this journey back to in-person at all. So uh, it's been quite the time to, to, to be coming into the community.
2: Yeah, yeah. I've I've really enjoyed our conversations and it's been it's been great to get to know um, the congregation and Reverend Schuyler and all the people who work at Fourth U and and spend their time there. It's a it's a great community and I feel really, really honored and privileged to to get to be there in this like historic moment of of the congregation kind of reintroducing itself to the world as so many things are right now.
0: Right. So speaking of introducing, would you like to, for any listeners or congregants who maybe haven't had a chance to like get to meet you, would you like to just give a brief introduction of yourself?
2: Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, My name is Ben Haney. I use he, him pronouns, and I'm a student here at Union Theological Seminary on the Upper West Side. And I'm in my second year of the Masters of Divinity program, concentrating in interreligious engagement.
0: Uh, Masters of Divinity seems like so long ago for me. Uh, the, fun, the fun times. <laughs> yeah, uh, so, yeah. So really you lovely. do balance out all of this academic work, though, with some <laughs> skateboarding, as we got to hear about in in today's message. Um, how long have you been a skateboarder?
2: I started skateboarding when I was, I think I was 13. I My best friend got a board for a birthday or a holiday or something and the summer before eighth grade we started to learn just by like one of us would stand on the board and kind of like roll down a hill to the extent that you can find hills in Illinois and just like stand there for as long as we could until we like fell off and the other one would like run up and jump on and stand on it for as long as we could and that was how we figured out like the very basics of it and uh, this spring I'll be 26 so it'll officially be half of my life and then an increasing majority of my life that I've been skateboarding from that point on.
0: So I, I also tried right around like the 10, 11, 12, 13 sort of range. I can't remember the exact year. Uh, I also did the the roll down the hill uh, mostly usually the driveway I feel like because we had like a slightly uh, slanted yeah. sort of driveway. Classic. Classic. I feel like that one was pretty common. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but then uh, then I did not stick with it very long and then but when we were in Vietnam recently, I, I, I bought one I was like I'm gonna like, I'm gonna use it to commute. Um, it turns out you know in, in Asia it's a little bit more complicated to try and commute with, uh,
2: with a skateboard, but you do it in uh, New York City? I do. Yeah. Right before I moved to Union and in the fall of last year, they finished rebuilding a brand new version of the Riverside Skate Park over around like 110th Street but in Riverside Park which is uh you know within a, a quick cruise of Union's campus so that's been awesome to have and there's some you know some little things to do up and down Riverside there's other parks on like the Lower East Side there's a DIY thing in Tompkins Square there's like a it's all over the place here. So it's, it's a really fun place to be for that.
0: So besides your passion for skateboarding, what else inspired you to, to, to go for this message in terms of uh, being the message that you shared with us for your first uh, sermon you got to deliver?
2: Yeah, I've, as I, as I discussed in the sermon, I've lived my life between big, urban areas. And every time I go to a new one or move within one, I I learn a lot about myself and I've done, you know, the, the vast majority of my spiritual exploration and growth in big cities. And I have noticed that I think sometimes people can get really down on the way that urban life affects their their spiritual growth. And they feel they can only um, develop in that way by by getting away and by achieving like a really radical simplicity. And there's a real place for that. I, I appreciate with like, that kind of practice. And for some people that's you know that's the kind of life that they want to commit themselves to and that's great. Um, but I do think that there is a lot, of, a lot of spiritual and ethical value in city life. And so I just wanted to kind of meditate on that with the community.
0: No, I think that's fair. And especially um, uh, as, a, as a fellow Midwesterner, you know, the, the rural, even even the, the small cities, like I, I live near Chicago, but uh, definitely not in Ch- Chicago, uh, good old Kenosha i um, mm-hmm. famous for other things now, uh, but uh, the, um, you know, that was considered like the city and then Chicago was considered like the, you really don't want to go there city. Um, and that language is even used by a lot of folks about Chicago, about like how dangerous it is. Um, and, you know, I, I feel like there's this real, um, gosh, the, the, the Gen Z influence in me wants to, to say there's this real vibe. Uh, but perhaps the more academic side of me, uh, would want to say that there's a bit of a movement of, of thinking that, that cities detract from like a good life, that there's something wrong, uh, with Mm -hmm. cities that lots of people treat them as something to escape from. And that they're, they're a necessary evil and some, instead of something that could have, have potential good, even though like, interestingly, a lot of urban planners will tell you that a properly planned and cared for and uh serviced and um with all the things that it needs a city is the most efficient way for mm-hmm. for humans to live for them to build community um uh, i i find it so interesting that people react so strongly uh, against cities um I, I know i'm i'm definitely a bit of a city slicker when when i knew that i had the opportunity to go to new york city it was like yes like yeah. I couldn't, I felt like having been in Hanoi, I couldn't downgrade to a small city again, or definitely not to the country. Uh, I needed that big city life. Uh, And even uh, where we live in Bayonne, Mm -hmm. we have a park just like three streets over that it's this nice little patch of nature, but you can look over and see the port of Newark and Elizabeth, which is the busiest port on the entire Eastern seaboard. And so it's this really interesting kind of industrial city and also nature at the same time by being in the space. And I, I find that to be like one of my favorite places to go and kind of have a little bit of a spiritual experience. Um, do you have yeah. places in, in cities that are, that are special to you?
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely do. that really resonates with me and, and brings to mind some experiences from back when I lived in the Twin Cities in Minnesota the Mississippi River goes right through the heart of the cities and like cuts really close to to downtown Minneapolis and St. Paul. And it's it's very similar to that in that like you can have this, you know this in this like really busy like urban scene going on over here. We've got like all the like nightlife of of Minneapolis. And then go for a hike on the riverside and you know be be surrounded by forests and it's just a um it's an amazing thing to have and then you know union's backyard basically is is riverside park and there are some some really nice parts of that that feel reserved in a way that's really special but also there's this the constant thrum of the expressways and broadway and things like that so it still doesn't feel completely separate in a way that you know maybe would disappoint someone if they really needed to get away but to me it feels it, it makes it feel more real it makes it feel more authentic it's like this isn't completely separate like this this is the natural world and this is the city and there's any, any sense of a binary between those things is artificial.
1: Oh,
0: yeah, I, I like that. That is some, that is some truth right there. Uh, it, and all of this also makes me think about it. I, I told you about it when we were uh, reviewing and talking about your, your message. Uh, and in a seminary, uh, my first round through seminary many, many moons ago, uh, one of the big things in, this, uh, in the reformed kind of world of seminaries and theological thinking was that they were talking about that there was some goodness to be found in cities. The, the, the um, I think he was the missions professor probably. Uh, and uh, they, they rebranded as cross-cultural professor to make it sound a little bit less bad. <laughs> um, but he, he had us read a book and in it, it basically talked about that uh, in the beginning of the Hebrew scriptures, we start in the garden, but at the end of the Christian scriptures, at the end of the book of Revelation, uh, you end in the city of New Jerusalem uh, and this whole idea that um, we don't want to go necessarily back to the to the primal but instead we do need to move forward and find these new uh, ways to live together I think there's some real um, beauty to be found in cities and I really love how you encouraged um, exploration of the city as somebody who's newer to the city every time I come in I try and like just take in like how cool is this that you know New York yeah. City is like the place that, as Midwesterners, is like this. Whoa! Uh, <laughs> um, and it, it's really great to, to have that sense of urban exploration. I've I've heard of people doing urban hiking. Have you uh, had any experience uh, with with that sort of world? No, no. So it, I think that. it'd be similar to like your your urban skateboarding experiences, where you take time to really be journeying through the space, mm-hmm. uh, but with with walking instead, like the people basically just set themselves like, a, I'm going to uh, walk through here. I know there's a, I want to say it's called the broad city challenge to walk from the tip up at the top of like Inwood all the way down to the, the South Ferry um, at the bottom. Um, really cool. may, maybe we need to do that as a follow-up to to this message.
2: I'm game. Back when, um, when I was living in DC, when COVID was starting and, you know, you had to be really cautious about like going outdoors or socializing or anything. Um, I would just like, well, I, I, I guess I was urban hiking. I didn't, <laughs> didn't know that that was a thing. But yeah, that was like how I survived those months of like, you know, very limited interaction. I would just like take these long walks. And that's something that I really love about like, you know, you were talking about like urban, urban planners earlier, like a, a well-designed city um is a lot of fun to traverse on foot
0: right i mean other i wanted to there there's been an idea that's percolated in my head for like a class that i eventually want to offer um but i I have to like solidify it uh and it's kind of it's come up into my mind as, as i've uh worked with you this this week and that is like thinking about how um, community just like spontaneously appears in cities, like looking for the ways that community blossoms and blooms in unique and in different ways. Like, you know, I think about the, um, like the fact that you had like young kids organizing to bring older folks meals during COVID, like the beginning of COVID. Yeah. Like, that's something that's easier and can more, uh, simply happen in a city versus a, a spread out suburbia. Yeah. Um, and yeah i mean there, there's something beautiful about the way that community can blossom in cities
2: yeah yeah i i really agree and that's one of the things that i have just loved about skateboarding since i got started with it it's just that like you know people people find each other in a city and you know parks or spots or sections of the city will like have you know a bit of their own scene but ultimately everybody knows each other, everybody knows each other. And as you, you know, as you get older and start traveling a little bit more, like, you know, everybody in like all the Midwest scenes who've been in it for a long time, like they know each other in the East Coast, like, like New York, DC, all the way down, like wherever, like people know each other. Um, And they find each other through like these um, urban spaces that become iconic, and in some ways even legendary within those communities.
0: So what you're saying, Ben, is that you are famous in the skateboarding world. I am ben. not
2: saying that. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm just saying uh, I have some friends who are really cool. That's <laughs> uh, okay, okay, okay.
0: We'll go with that. Ben, yeah. the secret skateboarding celebrity. Um, so I suppose as a final question, Ben, uh, were, were there any special sources, any like readings, anything like that that you really Uh, Obviously, this was a lot of personal experience that you did talk about, but was there anything that you really drew from as you prepared for this message?
2: Yeah, I, I did base it a lot on my own personal experience, but I definitely was thinking about or reflecting on some readings from James Baldwin and Paulo Freire and Emmanuel Levinas. I think those were, those were three people who were really uh, on my mind while I was working on this.
0: A broad, a broad assortment, uh, I like it, I like it. Only way well, do- Ben, uh, excellent work today. Thank you so much for sitting down with me and thank you so much for sharing with our community.
2: Thanks so much for having me, it's been, it's been really great.